You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com. So that being said, please turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 through 10. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 through 10. Paul says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Let me pray a quick blessing. Father, I ask one a simple, um, but what I know is an insurmountable request for any of us in this room to do. I want to ask, Father, is that you would come and that you would unleash the fury of the love of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit through the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you ever look at yourself in the mirror sometimes and think, I feel worthless? You feel that way? So I struggle with my own sense of worthlessness um, at times. It's easy for me to feel valuable when I've done something right, when someone treats me nice. Um, the problem is that when I fail at something or, or when someone treats me unfairly, um, and it's easy for me to fall into self-pity despair, right? At that point, thinking that somehow I must be worthless. Um, in other words, what I struggle with is I struggle with letting either my behavior or someone else's behavior dictate what I believe about my own sense of worth. And what happens is into all of that mess that happens, I believe, inside of every one of us, the Apostle Paul's letter to the Ephesians speaks clearly. And this text, this passage especially, it's as though God is thundering, thundering down from heaven saying, you are priceless. Priceless because you've been redeemed. So when we struggle with believing that we are worthless, what God says is he says, I have created you and I've purchased you with the blood of my son I've showered you with the benefits of redemption showered you with them I've forgiven you I've poured out my grace over you I've opened your heart to understand the message of the gospel you are priceless because you've been redeemed This is essentially the message of Ephesians 1, 7 through 10, the text that we just read. As we study this passage, what I want to do is I want to explain the meaning of redemption first and the benefits of redemption second. My prayer is that this study, this sermon, our time together will help some of you walk away from here knowing, knowing, not just knowing in your heads, but knowing from an experiential way as the Holy Spirit speaks to you from inside. You are priceless because you've been redeemed. 
want you to think with me for a minute about what it means to be redeemed. You need to, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to imagine a little boy. Can you imagine this little boy playing with a remote control boat on his family's lake? That picture? This little boy with the help of his parents, man, the three of them, the three of them spent hours upon hours creating this little boat. They, they imagined what the boat would look like. They, they drew up the plans. They bought the supplies with their own money. And then with their own hands, they created the boat. Once the boat was built, the little boy spent hours upon hours upon hours enjoying his creation. And one day, the boat went missing. There's nowhere to be found. A violent, destructive storm had come rolling through the area the night before. Got caught up in the waves, carried away from the little boy and his family. So this little boy, man, he went and he searched everywhere for his boat. One day he found it in the window of a dirty, scuzzy, run-down pawn shop in a nearby town. And when the little boy saw the boat that he had created, man, he went walking to that pawn shop and he explained to the pawn shop owner that the boat belonged to him. To his horror, uh, the pawn shop owner, greasy scumbag that he was, told the little boy that it would cost him thousands of dollars to buy back the boat that he had created. See, with this... This dirty pawn shop owner, man, he didn't want to let go of the boat because he'd been renting that lost little boat out to travelers who wanted to just have some fun with it. In a sense, this boat was that pawn shop owner's slave. So the little boy went home, and he explained this predicament to his parents. The cool thing about the story is that the little boy and his parents, the three of them, and they'd already planned for such a day as this. They'd, they'd all agreed ahead of time to stash away just as much cash as they would need so that in the event that the boat was either lost or stolen or damaged, that they could go, they could find it, they could buy it back, they could fix it up. And the problem was that the purchase price for the boat would completely wipe out every penny of this family's life savings. They literally would have to give this little boy's life savings to get the boat back. The little boy and his parents were happy, overjoyed to give everything that they had to purchase what already belonged to them. In the words of another storyteller who told this story, um, as a little boy left that scuzzy pawn shop with that boat in his arms, he said, you are twice mine because I created you and I bought you. Twice mine. Because I created you and I bought you. This is the picture of the biblical concept of redemption. But being redeemed means being twice owned by the God who created you and the God who bought you back from an evil pawn shop owner. You're priceless because the God who created you paid the price to purchase you. Being redeemed means you're owned by the God who created you. When, when the Apostle Paul tells the Ephesian believers that in Christ we have redemption through his blood, 
He's reminding them that they've been redeemed. When the Apostle Paul found the Ephesian people in the, in the book of Acts, they were excited to hear the message of the gospel, the message of redemption. And what happened in the Ephesians is that they, is that they, they wholeheartedly embraced this good news. They wholeheartedly embraced the good news that the God who had created them had redeemed them as his own possession. And therefore, because of what God had done, and not because of what they had done or had not done, but because of what God had done, they're priceless. They belonged to him. What that caused in them that realization, that understanding, that belief of that good news. The response was a radical repentance in the Ephesians. What the Ephesians did was they took their books of witchcraft. Their books of witchcraft was the major money-making industry in Ephesus, okay? And they would throw their books away, book-burning parties, in repentance. See, our worth is tied to the one who owns us and created us. Getting that understanding deep down inside of us radically changes lives. Think about the Apostle Paul, too. Paul was a man who committed unthinkable crimes in his terroristic rampage against God and his people. And then one day what happens? He meets Jesus. He meets Jesus face to face on what I would call the road of redemption, commonly known as the road to Damascus for Paul. It's the road of redemption where Jesus called him away from his sinful enslavement in the pawn shop of self-promotion. Because that's where Paul was stuck at. And in the blink of an eye, Paul meets the God who had created him and redeemed him as his own possession. And now he understands that he is priceless because he belongs to God. Our worth is tied to the one who owns us and created us. Number two, being redeemed means that you are owned by the God who purchased you. You're owned by the God who created you, but you're also owned by the God who purchased you. The Apostle Paul and the Ephesian believers, man, they had tremendous reason to celebrate their redemption. And that's what this whole first portion of Ephesians chapter 1 is. is it's a celebration of all the blessings that we have in Christ. And this is just one of them. Celebration of redemption. But if you think about this for a minute, you think about the celebration of redemption that every one of us as believers is called, not just called to, but is enabled to by the power of the Spirit to live in and walk in and sit in and stand by. Uh, that celebration of redemption can honestly easily be drowned out by other shouting voices. Like if God is thundering down from heaven that you are priceless because I created you and I purchased you by the blood of my son on the cross, there are other voices shouting too that can easily drown out those voices. The voices of sin, the voices of shame, the voices of guilt, the voice of blame. Ever had those days when you question your worth and your value because of your sin, your shame, your guilt, your doubt? 
So I think the Apostle Paul knew that these Ephesian believers, and I, I, I think God knew that we would struggle with this. So God, in his majestic, provisional way, through Paul, reminds us of the blessings of redemption. He reminds us that not only does God own us because he created us, but he also owns us because he purchased us. He bought us. He paid the price to the shop owner of our sin that we used to be enslaved to. We, we, we belong to him because he purchased us and therefore we are priceless. See, the Ephesian believers, the Apostle Paul, you, me, all of us, we're all like little boats. Every one of us is like a little boat stuck in the pawn shop of our sin and our shame and our guilt and our fear with no hope of ever getting ourselves out of that pawn shop. But the God who created us gave His Son Jesus to die upon the cross so that the price for our sin could be paid. Jesus' broken body, His shed blood at that cross, man, it removes all of the sin, it removes all of the guilt, all of the shame for any of us who have trusted in Him. You are not worthless. You're priceless because you've been redeemed. You're priceless because the God who created you also bought you back from the clutches of Satan, sin, and death. How often do you screw things up? How often do you screw things up and then start thinking, man, I'm worthless, I suck, right? Whatever words you use. How often do you believe lies about how worthless you think you are because someone hurt you? How often? How often do you look in the mirror and hate the image of you that you see because you think you aren't as worthwhile as someone else? I want you to hear this. That there's no amount of makeup, no amount of weight loss, there's no amount of love from another human being, there's no amount of earthly accomplishments, no amount of religious accomplishments, no amount of anything on this earth that will ever make you more worthwhile or worthy. You're not worthless because of your failures. And listen to me, you're not priceless because of your accomplishments. Priceless because the God who created you paid the price to purchase you. What this is, is this is an invitation. Right? This is an invitation to believe that your value isn't dictated by your performance. Your value is not dictated by your possessions. Your value is not dictated by what others think of you. Your value is not dictated by what others say about you or do to you. God's word to you and to me today for the believer and for the unbeliever is that you are priceless because the God who created you also paid the price to purchase you back from the clutches of Satan, sin, and death. This is your identity. This is who you are. You are priceless. your invitation if you're an unbeliever to come and to believe it's as though jesus is standing here in our midst and he's saying listen to me you are twice mine because i created you and i purchased you you are redeemed you are priceless because the god who created you paid the price to purchase you and the question is, is do you believe this the question is, is will you receive that 
I also want you to think about the benefits of being redeemed. The benefits of being redeemed. If you're redeemed, um, you've received the benefit of forgiveness, right? You've received the benefit of God's grace and the benefit of understanding the gospel. That This is like the benefits that you get from an insurance policy. Okay? You get an insurance policy and there's benefits that you get from paying that monthly or annual premium. Especially if something goes wrong. You pay the premium, something goes wrong, you get the benefit. Now the bad news of the benefits of redemption is that both you and I, all of us, we are incapable of paying the cost of the premium. Okay, We cannot pay the cost of the premium to cover or remove our sin. Um, good deeds, all the good things you've done, can never outweigh all the bad things that you and I have done. Because all it takes is one tiny little speck of sin inside of us to make us imperfect. And that which is imperfect, when it comes into the presence of that which is perfect, what happens? It gets destroyed. So you and I are really left having no hope whatsoever if we're basing our value, our worth, our redemption, our eternal hope, if we're basing that on anything that you or I could do. So that's the bad news, the benefits of redemption, because you and I can't do anything to cover or to remove the sin. Therefore, what's happened is we've lost the benefits in reality of God's insurance plan. But here's the good news in the midst of all of that, is that God paid the premium for you. God paid the premium for you at the cross of Christ, so that you and I, we now have access to the best insurance plan and the best insurance provider ever, and to top all that off, the plan has been paid for in full by the provider himself. It's free. It costs you and I nothing. Why? Because it costs him everything. That's why the cross is so radical of a message. If you are redeemed, you have received the benefit of forgiveness, right? Uh, the Apostle Paul reminds us that if we've believed in Jesus, then we've been redeemed. And if we've been redeemed, then we receive the benefit of God's forgiveness. And forgiveness is, is, is all about wiping a dirty slate clean. It's a picture of an old chalkboard, um, wiping that slate clean. Now, when you and I forgive, uh, we often wipe it off, and there's still a residue because we're imperfect. When God wipes it off, it's as though a little kid comes through with a warm wet washcloth and wipes it down. You no longer see any residue. Your sins are cast as far as the east is from the west and as high as the heavens are above the earth. It's, it's, an, inf it's an infinite amount of distance. That's how clean he's washed us. That's the picture of forgiveness. The dirty slate of the chalkboard of our lives has been washed clean. Our criminal record has been erased. Our filthy stains from that sinful relationship or those dirty thoughts or those angry words or the selfish behavior, the hateful actions, every last bit of that and more has been erased completely. In Christ, the price was paid for our sin, and we have been completely forgiven. You and I are priceless. Why? Because we are redeemed. And if we are redeemed, if you are here and you've trusted in Christ, then you've received the benefit of forgiveness. And number two, if you're redeemed, you've received the benefit of God's grace. God's grace. Now, it's not like God saw us as poor beggars on the street when he met us. 
that he just wanted to take pity on, and so he reaches into his pocket, tosses a couple coins at us, like the key that I dropped earlier. There. It wasn't like he just tosses a couple coins from his leftover wealth. I mean, let me just pick on this for a minute. This is how we often give from our leftovers. Okay? We don't have that same example in God. God never gives from his leftovers. That's, that's, and, and here's the thing. Over the years, that's the thing that transforms generosity in churches and in church members, is that picture. When you realize that God didn't give from his leftovers to save you, man, then you and I are released to give generously, not from our leftovers, but from our abundance. God didn't give from his leftovers. He actually snatched us up. So God did. He snatched us up from our rotten place in life. And then he, he took us back to his mansion, right? Where he gave us a brand new home, a brand new family. Made us brand new children. And he continuously pours out his love and his forgiveness upon us. There, there's no end to God's love. We sang about that this morning. Like Paul says, according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us. God's the wealthiest person who ever lived, right? You're not a leftover afterthought of mistaken worthlessness. You're not a leftover afterthought of mistaken worthlessness. You're pricelessly redeemed by the God who declares. Think about this. This is a declaration that God makes over you. Just like in, in, in the process of adoption when somebody says, you're my son, you're my daughter. That's the declaration that God makes over you, not based on anything good inside of you, but based on his decision. The same process. And that adoption cannot be revoked, cannot be changed. Why? Because the signature on your adoption papers was written in the blood of Christ. It's, it's unerasable. That which erases your sin cannot be erased by your sin. Yeah. That which erases your sin cannot be erased by your sin. Not a leftover afterthought of mistaken worthlessness. You're priceless. You're redeemed by the God who declares that you are priceless. You are priceless because the wealthiest person who has ever existed has redeemed you. And because you are redeemed, you've been showered by the benefits of God's grace. And grace simply means unmerited favor unmerited gift, unearned gift. God has lavished his benefits of redemption upon you even though you didn't deserve it or earn it. And this is what makes you priceless. This is what makes God's grace actually gracious. Otherwise, if you earned it, it wouldn't be grace anymore. It'd be a paycheck. I don't know how many of you like working for the paycheck you get, but I like grace better. That's free. <laughs> So what God did is he simply looked at us, every one of us in our poor state of sin, and what he said was he said, you are priceless because I say you are priceless. Get that? When God looked at you, he said, hey, you're priceless because I say you're priceless, and I will spend everything that I have to make you mine so that you can receive the benefits of redemption according to the riches, not of your grace, my grace. The question is, do you believe this today? It's always the question. 
underneath every sermon and every Bible study is, do you believe this? And the answer for all of us all the time is, no, I don't. That's why I give in to sin. And, and I need God to help me in my unbelief, help me to believe, right? Number three, if you're redeemed, last benefit of redemption, is if you're redeemed, you've received the benefit of understanding the gospel. You've received the benefit of understanding the gospel. Understanding the gospel is a benefit of being redeemed, right? See, Paul explains it this way. He says that God has showered us with forgiveness according to his grace in all wisdom and insight. And that he's made known to us the mystery of his will according to the purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Now, well, I love these verses, these final verses. Those um, final verses are like one of the beastiest statements of doctrinal theology in most of the scriptures. I don't want to be too exaggerative. Um, it's like the beastiest statement of doctrinal theology in all of scriptures. So just be exaggerative. It's okay. Like we could, we could swim in the river of, of all the theology of those verses for days, weeks, months, years. Honestly, I believe. We talk about the mystery of the gospel. We talk about God's will. We talk about God's purpose. Talk about unity. Talk about our future home in heaven relates to our current home here on earth. We talk about those things a long time. Lots of theological themes. But the simplicity of what Paul is saying in verses 8 through 10 of chapter 1 flows from a fountain of truth, a base, if you will. It flows out of a fountain of truth that simply this. Here's the fountain of truth. You want to hear it? We're priceless. It's that. Been redeemed. Priceless and redeemed. See, if you're hearing this message, if you're, if you're a believer, then God's simple encouragement to you is that He has given you wisdom and insight and knowledge of the good news that you've been pricelessly redeemed to be united to Jesus in the completion of God's plan to what? Redeem all of heaven and earth. In other words, like if you're redeemed, then you have been given the benefit of understanding the gospel. If you understand this, that God created you to be with him, and then you got carried away by the raging storm of your own sin. You got enslaved by an evil pawn shop owner, and then Jesus came looking for you from heaven. He left his perfect place in heaven to come, some sin-soaked pawn shop place that we were living in. And then he went to the cross to purchase you, to pay the penalty, to buy you back from Satan, sin, and death. If you get that message, how you've trusted in Christ, if that's true of you, if that's where you're at, then you've received forgiveness because of God's grace, and then you've been given the gift of understanding that message. Yeah. Like there's no way that any human could explain the mystery of the gospel adequately enough for you to understand it and for it to then actually produce change in your life. No amount of my preaching could make that happen. God uses me like a blunt instrument to bring a message, yes, but you could never understand just because I have some sort of eloquence or because you like my beard or because I wear cool shirts, which I don't, by the way. At the end of the day, the only way you could understand understand it in a way that would actually produce changes if God did the work. Amen. And if you see him doing that work and you know what that means, that means that you're priceless. That means that you are infinitely valuable. 
That means that the shed blood and the broken body of Jesus Christ at that cross makes you priceless. See, the Spirit of God is the one who opens sinful hearts to the good news of the gospel. The question is, what would prevent you from receiving and walking in these truths? What, what, What would stop anybody? There are barriers to believing the truth of our priceless redemption. And I'll be honest with you, when I originally wrote this message, it was about a year ago when I first preached this. And, um, when I originally uh, wrote kind of the end of, of this message, um, and I th- was thinking about preventatives and barriers that would stop people from believing, there were a number of things that was facing pastorally, I think, in our church family that I wanted to address. Um, it's part of the role of a preacher, right? Um, there are barriers to believing the truth of our priceless redemption. That there are things that, that, that plug our ears from hearing this truth. There are things that, that, that blind our eyes from seeing this truth. There are things that prevent us from believing that we are priceless. Um, there are things that restrict us from receiving the benefits of our priceless redemption, right? And the thing that I hit on then and I'd hit on it again now um, is the pain and the suffering. Um, that every one of us faces. Um, I realized in conversation this week that I had, sometimes my, I open my mouth and I say things that are um, meant one way and sound another way. And uh, I realize how stupid I can be sometimes. Um, at one point, sometimes I think I rail and rant about Americans being spoiled and that we don't really know what suffering is. And, and the reality is, there are, we, uh, we know what suffering is. Uh, we, I, I don't think we know what suffering is, such as some people who live in third world countries. I think there is suffering that is far greater than what we face. But that's not to diminish the suffering that we do face um, here in America. Um, when I originally wrote this, though, um, I really wanted to key in on pain and suffering um, of living in this broken world, um, being those massive barriers for us. Um, I can, and then here's the question that I remember asking then. like, wh- What is that pain point of suffering for you? that stops you from believing that you are priceless? Like, was it a dad that treated you poorly? Uh, was it an ex-wife that treated you poorly? Uh, was it friends that did? Was it just your own failures uh, late at night when you can't get away from the computer? Um, was it the tough marriage that you were in? What, what is that point of suffering that causes your heart to harden, so to speak? It causes you to not believe that you are priceless, and that causes you then to run after things that will not satisfy. What is that pain point of suffering for you that you struggle with? You could boil it down to sins that you commit or sins that others commit against you. Those two big buckets. Just start making lists of that. Ask God to heal you. Ask him to forgive you. Right? Like We look into the mirror and oftentimes we think we are worthless because of our suffering. The truth is, the truth from this passage is that we are actually priceless because we've been redeemed. And the question is, which mirror are you looking into today? When you came in, what what mirror were you looking into today? I think to my message that I preached last week, about husbands and wives and authority and submission, that was a hard message. I, I, I left the pulpit and went and stood by Chrissy at the end and just wept. It's a hard message. Not... Not, not because so much because of fear, although there's some of that, but I just, man, I know. I know my junk. I know where I've been. 
So a lot of things I know that I said last week just felt like getting compounded. So even as I think to that in the span of a week coming into this, the question is what mirror? Like what mirror did you walk out last week looking into? The pain and suffering that somebody's caused you? Or the sin that you can't seem to overcome? Or, or are you looking in the mirror of what, what God says about you and who God says you are and who God declares that you are? Wouldn't that be a great place to live? People just hang on to that as tightly as you possibly could. God says I'm priceless. I'm redeemed. Twice his now. Because he created me and he purchased me with the blood of his son. That's my prayer is that the spirit of the living God would break through those barriers for you today and cause that. In conclusion, um, close your eyes for a minute. What I did in my conclusion the first time around, and I think it's still valid this time, was I wrote the conclusion of this message much like a letter to friends. So as I wrote my way through the conclusion, I could see friends' faces. Here's what I said. I want to say it again. To my friend who struggles with addiction to pornography, you believe that you are worthless. You know what God says? God says you're priceless. To my friend who uh, believes that he's worthless because he's still single, you know what God says to you? But God says that you are priceless. To my friend who believes that she's worthless because her parents have abused her. You know what God says to you? God says you are priceless. But to my friend who is struggling with the fact that her mommy or her daddy left her and therefore she feels worthless. You know what, you know what God says to you? He declares over you. He says you are priceless. To my friend who believes that he's worthless because of his physical and emotional weaknesses, you know, you know what God says to you? He says you're priceless. To my other friend who believes that he's worthless because he's faced the pain of divorce in his family, you know what God says to you? God says you're priceless. To my friend who looks in the mirror each morning and tries to cover up her sense of worthlessness with more makeup. God says you're priceless. To my friend who believes that she's worthless because of all the sins in her past, believes that she can never be beautiful enough to overcome that sense of worthlessness. You know what God says to you as he says, you are priceless. You're priceless because you've been redeemed. The God who created you also paid the price to purchase you. And if you are redeemed, then you get to enjoy the benefits of God's forgiveness and the benefit of God's grace and the benefit of understanding the gospel. And the question is, is do you believe this today? And would you stand with me and pray, God, I have an 
hard time believing. Help me to believe. Help me in my unbelief. Is this a message that you would receive today? The question finally is, which mirror are you looking into? Because the picture that I see in the mirror is a picture of a Savior who is hanging on a cross, bloody and beat for you and for me. He didn't just die for people who might someday come and follow him, whoever those people might be. But he died on that cross. He went to that cross knowing that he was purchasing you. He had your picture and your name in his shirt pocket. And not an ounce of a drop of his blood was wasted that day on people who would never come. Every ounce of his blood was poured out for those that he would purchase back. He knew which boat he was going to buy. And that's you. Priceless. That's the God who created you, paid the price to purchase you. Let's pray. Father, I'm so thankful for so thankful for privilege uh, that you have given me to preach this message again. And in many regards, hear this message again. As often as we get to sing worship songs over and over and over again and have the truths of those songs drilled into our hearts. Father, the privilege and the honor that it is today to have this message drilled into even my heart again is, is such a blessing. Father, I beg you to come and do work. Do work in our hearts as we come away from this message and as we celebrate your son's broken body and shed blood through the receiving of the elements of communion. We trust that when you declare that we are priceless because you created us and purchased us, we trust that that is a promise that is unbreakable. And you are faithful, Father. You've loved us before we could love you. Help us to love you more as we leave here today. In Jesus' name, amen. You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com.